Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles, please, to uh, This is Bread Sunday. We're going to give everyone a loaf of bread. We've got a mini loaf. We've got a mini loaf for singles over here. It's actually not so many, but it's pretty nice. We've got a mini loaf right here. Oh, ooh, it's fresh. It was just baked during the night. Yeah. Oh, nothing like bread, really. The only way we could have made it better if we had cinnamon bread. But anyway, it's really, maybe that's next week. <laughs> and then we have some big loaves. Oh, my assistant here, Vanna Witt. Bring this over. Wow. Okay. These are the... These are the big boys. Oh, wow. Fingers. Look at that. Whoa. Man. Can I get it all over? Yeah, I got it. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Taste and see that the Lord will do. See, did I did it, Cindy, without getting all of This is ours, Cindy. I'll just put it. In. Mm. Mm. Even has a price tag on it. Oh, it's not accurate, but anyway. Turn to John 6, please, while I finish my... Mm. There's nothing like fresh bread. When I was six years old, I was a hero in my class, my first grade class. My father, I always had an in. There was always something, you know. My father was a factory worker. And he uh, had a side gig as a security guy at a bakery. And we used to go pick him up because we only had one car. And uh, uh, you got within a block of that, of that bakery. You could smell the bread. And as a six-year-old, I love bread. Actually, as a 66-year-old, <clears throat> I, love, I love bread. I have to watch it. <laughs> and um, so... I told my dad, I said, boy, I wish we could take our whole class there. So they arranged a field trip because my dad, everyone in the class loved me because we went and we got to walk through the factory and see them make bread, the bakery. And then they gave all the kids fresh slice of hot bread coming right out of the oven. And I tell you, you know, that propelled my whole destiny from that point on. Power fresh bread. There is nothing quite like fresh bread. And you're going to get to experience it here in a few minutes. Okay, John chapter 6. This is the Advent. Advent started last week, last Sunday actually. And uh, Advent is the closeness of the Lord, the nearness of God. Advent's about a 25 to 27 day period right before Christmas. It varies every year. I think it's the fourth fourth Sunday prior to Christmas. That may be right. And... um, 
what it's meant to be, the Advent is the closeness of the Lord. There's a belief that in this time, because even in our culture now with Christmas, there's a sense of understanding and thinking more about Jesus during this time. Thus the crutch, the manger, the things that we see in people's lawns, you know, that describe the three magi or how many ever there were and the shepherds that heard the voice of the Lord. So we're gonna focus this month on love gives. Love gives comes out of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's agape love. It's the ultimate love. It's sacrificial love. Every one of us are birthed in Christ that we might live in agape love, that we have a sacrificial love that lays down our lives for our friends. The Bible says, no greater love hath any man or woman, hath any man, than he lay down his life for his friends. So it's, it's like Heidi Baker said, we're called to be laid down lovers. There's something about our lives where we are the doormats. You, know, you go, well, I don't want to be walked on. Actually, you're called to be walked on. Praise God. That didn't go over real big, did it, Joe? <laughs> we are called to live sacrificial lives. We're called to lay down our lives. <clears throat> Jesus is the exemplar. He's the one that set this up. The Bible says in Philippians that he, he kind of disrobed himself. He separated himself from his, I mean, it's just a mind blower and, and theologians still debate how it happened, but he basically came down as a babe in a manger. The different way for a king to come is a babe in a manger because you're totally vulnerable. He had no defense system whatsoever except his mom and dad laying in a little trough in a manger, a feeding trough, oddly enough. And I want you to read to you a little bit in preparation of this Advent. <clears throat> I know with you, the Advent is all about the calendar, you know, with the chocolates in it and everything, Advent calendar. But it's really about the coming near of the Lord. And the same feeling that was going on in Judaism during that time of the anticipation of a Messiah still exists right now and is being inflamed by the power of the Spirit, a hope and anticipation. He is coming again. The Bible says the clouds, the skies will part, the clouds will part, a shout from heaven, a trumpet will sound, and the Lord will appear. And regardless what your eschatology is, everyone agrees he's coming back. It's just how and when and what it's going to look like and everything else and what will follow that. He left and he's coming back. And he said, I go to prepare a place and turn to the person next to you and say, you, for you. He went to prepare a place. He's a carpenter. He's been working for a couple thousand years, building houses for you, mansions. He's going to prepare a place for you. And it's a promise that he's given. He is coming back. And that has, been, that has been carried on. The baton has been passed from generation to generation. In John 6, it says this, is coming near the Lord right now. There, this is a special moment. This is what the Celts, the Irish Celts called in the, in the 5th and 6th century. They called it a thin space, a thin place. At times on Sunday morning, this is very thin here. It's like between heaven and earth, you can almost, it's like opaque you can almost feel the presence of God in tangible ways like today, sometimes more overtly than others. We want to move into seasons. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you, you do what God's called you to do until he shows up in power. 
Some people think we're going to live in that all the time. You really can't. You can't live in that or you would die. You have the power and the presence of Christ within you, but in the power of the full face, the prosopon, the face of Christ, the presence, that is the word for presence, his face. The face of Christ, you beholding the face of Christ, you would fall on your face just like John did, who was the closest friend to Jesus when he saw the resurrected Jesus. You'd fall at his feet because you can't take, your physical body just can't take it. The love is so powerful, it undoes your soul. It unlaces your soul. It reveals the deepest, darkest places you thought you were hiding from God and the healing oil of God pours into the depths of your soul. It's hot. It's warm. It warms your heart. John Wesley himself said on the ship coming from England, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. He sensed that opening up of his very soul. And in John 6, we read this powerful passage, John 6, verse 28, John 6, verse 28. I'll try to get through this quickly because I want to pray over the bread here. <clears throat> and verse 28 says this, and they said to him, this is those around Jesus speaking to him, what shall we do that we may, that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. <clears throat> Therefore, they said to him, what sign would you perform that we may see it and believe it? What work will you do? Everybody wants a sign. Can't blame them. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. A little phrase that we use all the time. So Jesus says this, or they said this, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven, bread from heaven, bread from heaven to eat. Jesus says in verse 32, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. That, I know we read through this stuff. That was a radical statement. They were like, oh, don't speak of Moses that way. I mean, Moses is one of their, the key people in their history. He's the one that received the law from, from Yahweh from Jehovah, from God. He received the law. Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, but he, but he raises the standard a little even higher. He said, Moses didn't give you that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Oh, there's another bread. There's another bread than the manna. There's another bread than the bread, the show bread that's in the presence of God in the holy place. One of the three articles in the holy place when the, when the ancients in it, really the description of Leviticus and also in, in Exodus when they came to Mount Sinai and the, the strategic understanding of how to worship God with the tabernacle and eventually the temple was given out to Moses. And it was, it was starting in general company. The process of it was a general company of outsiders and, and it sends the herd all the way into the presence of God. <clears throat> And the herd gets thinned, I hate to tell you this, but it gets thinned if you're a Gentile. You can't go in to where the Jews go. And then it gets thinned in the Jewish realm that to women have to stay out here. You can't go into the next level, only men. Don't talk to me about that, talk to God. And then they go up onto the platform where the Jews are allowed and only certain Jews were able to attend close to that and only priests were able to go into the holy place, which was the outer area of the Holy of Holies. 
that, that, that little building set in the middle of the temple was uh, like 90 feet tall. It would be three times the height of this building. And it had open areas at the top that kind of pulled the draft out. In fact, the incense on the altar, because of the draft that was crafted in this thing, it went up as a column like that going right up into heaven off the, off the altar of, of fragrance. And so only the, a chosen priest could go in there periodically and only a high priest could go into the Holy of Holies separated by a very thick, opaque veil that you could kind of see through, but not see through it. I mean, there was, there was it's just like heaven and earth was separated by this thick veil, you know. And later on, we find out in, this, in scripture when Jesus died on the cross, it speaks of how the, the time that he cried out that the veil was rent in two. Later, in, later on, Paul says that Jesus Christ was that veil. And now there's open entrance into the most holy place that only one high priest could go once a year by the Ark of the Covenant. And they even tied a little rope around his foot because if he went in there and the offering was not accepted because of unrighteousness among the nation, he would be struck dead and they would pull him out and go to the next high priest. How'd you like to be in that lineup? Jesus was the high priest that went in to place not allowed by anyone else with his own flesh. He was the sacrificial lamb and that sacrificial, sacrificial lamb was accepted by the father and everyone else who the blood of Jesus applied to their heart gets to have full entrance into that same place into the presence of God. Grace be to God in Jesus Christ. That same Christ is coming back. So the Jews are shocked at what Jesus said. They were actually shocked about everything he said. It either affected their life and how they live their lives. It affected their theology. It affected their thinking. How many of you know that Jesus is still messing with people's heads? Even right now in this room. He said, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And here's the, here's the chiller. He says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You're like, oh, okay, I think I can accept that in my theology. I think, yeah, so I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And he says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now that was a shocker. And actually that caused him lots of problems. The Jews realized he is personally claiming to be a gift sent from God. Of course, the Messiah that's being sent from God is God. He, they, they sense that wait, 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 you're saying you are God? Yeah. He says, uh, I'm the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jump down to verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your father ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying there. It's just, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know. He's making a point though. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. In other words, I have a manna. I am the manna that sustains you through life. I was just reading a book this morning when I got up about the importance of raising, how you raise your children. Childhood education has to be about Christ first. 
Yes, we want them to learn science. We want them to learn literature. We want them to learn all those things. But it needs to come through the filter that God, Jesus Christ, is King of kings and Lord of lords. And yes, there's other opinions and thoughts out there, but once they're established in Christ, they're less likely to break off. It says, I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, interesting. So Jesus is the bread of heaven. There's a whole history to bread. I'm gonna run through it here in just a minute. It's interesting. But he is the bread of heaven. Think of this. And strategically, it was planned throughout history that he would end up being born in the city of Bethlehem, which is just a short, short drive south of Jerusalem. I've been there and I've made the drive. Short drive south, and it's, of course, a bigger town now than it was back then. And they marked the place where Jesus was born, and they're probably right. They were probably corrected on that. There was a, uh, a, cathedral, a, uh, a cathedral built there uh, within a couple hundred years of uh, Jesus being born, they had the site. They knew the site from the beginning. And Jesus was born there. But he was born in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Beth is house, Hebrew for house. Lehem is bread. He was born in a feeding trough in the house of bread. He was the baked bread. Jesus is personifying something that brings history together, and also speaks to the Old Testament. Like I said before, when you come into the holy place, when a priest would come into the holy place, they would come in there and there would be uh, three, three things in the holy place. There would be the uh, table of showbread, S-H-E-W, some say H-S-S-H-O-W-S-H-E-W, showbread. The Jews saw it as showbread. It was for the priests. There was 12 loaves of bread that they put in there on the Sabbath, fresh bread. And the priest would eat it during the week and it would be replaced on the following Sabbath. And it's interesting what scripture even says about that. In fact, in Exodus 25, 30, if we have that, we can pop it up on the screen here. It says, and you shall, you shall I'm having a hard time with my SH here. You shall set the showbread, shall set the showbread. Say that five times real fast. On the table before me always. So we were in the presence of God, the holy place, outer, you know, the outer area before, the, before going to the next room, which is the holy of holies. And in that place, you have the, the, the showbread, which is, which is known and called in scripture, the bread of his face, the bread of his presence. That's what it's called. Over to the left, you have a menorah, a light candle lit that is lighting up the room. Although they have light at the top, this lights up the bread and lights up the altar of incense. And before him, there's an altar of incense that is burning always. It's interesting, in the presence of the Lord, before you go into the most holy place of the Lord, the holy of holies, in that plate, in that little bit of an outer place of the presence of God, you are, you are seeing clear the light that shines. You are smelling and even tasting, if you're a priest, the bread that is there. And you're smelling the fragrance that is being, I mean, the presence of God is sensory. It is meant to be sensory. I just talked to a pastor the other day, he said they went into their church and he said in the front row, he started smelling roses really strong. You know, this is just this past week. And he thought, I'm smelling roses. 
And there's no roses around, there's no flowers around, anything like that. And he looked up at the song, the worship leader, and he just kind of looked at him like he was smelling it too. And the presence, the sweetness of God came in. Now you, you say that to a typical Christian, they'll go, I'm not sure I believe that. If Catholics see Jesus' face in a burrito, Surely Protestants can smell something. You say, wait a minute. I think I'm smelling bread. You smell right. There is bread. But what if there's no bread in here? And the smell of bread comes into the room. What about what we see? Do we see things in the presence of God? Yeah, you do. Do I hear things in the presence of God? Yeah, 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 you will. It's Jesus. It's the bread of his presence and presence transforms everything. In 2 Corinthians, it says, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away and the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So we with unveiled faces in Christ, the veil is removed. We see until you say, I believe you, Lord Jesus, you cannot see what you cannot see. The Bible says, unless you become like a little child, you will not see or enter into the kingdom of heaven. When you get, it's a step of faith. When you give your heart fully to Jesus, boom, everything opens up and you see the dynamics of everything about everything you've ever imagined. Not at warp speed, but you start to unpack the thing, especially about yourself. It's the bread of his presence. It's transformational. It says, when we behold him as a mirror in the glory of the Lord, our being, Joel, you'll like this. As you behold with an unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, you are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. God. This is what we do on Sunday morning. That's why, that's why I understand why people show up late. Just had to throw that in there. This is our 90 minutes of corporate viewing of the glory of God. <laughs> Let's get every minute we can. Be like me. I show up a half hour early, get a cup of tea, chat with people. Why? I want to get in glory prep. Let's get ready for what God's about to do. Zacharias is so powerful. Zacharias was an old guy in his 90s. That was an interesting time to do that, Joel. <laughs> And he won the priest's lottery. The priest's lottery opened the door for him to have an opportunity, which was sometimes usually a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the holy place as a priest, this old guy named Zacharias, and light the, the table of incense, the fragrance. And so he's up there, he's getting ready to light the table of incense, and an angel stands to the right of him. This is what happens in the presence of God. You come into the presence of God, something's about to change your life. And this old guy in his 90s, the angel speaks to him and says, hey, I love this. Angels don't always know what, what, it, what to say, I think. He said, although you're old, you and Elizabeth, his wife, will have a son and you're to name him John. So John's dad, John the Baptist's dad was a priest. He says, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Where did that happen? Between the bread to the right, the bread of his presence, and the beautiful incense that was coming up in the middle. Zacharias was transformed in the presence of God. Bread is the oldest food that doesn't require foraging or hunting. 
It's a central part of human history and was formed in early, formed early human societies. In fact, the first reason that people came together in villages and constructed order in villages was because of bread. Because you had to get the, the wheat farmers and the bakers together to get bread. It was a communal kind of thing. It was eventually, it was domesticated in the Middle East and spread to Europe. First evidence of grinding bread was 30,000 years ago. Yeah. Adding water and laying it in the sun created a bread-like crusty food that they would eat because they didn't have the means to cook it properly and ferment it. Desire for bread helped towns become more ordered and sophisticated. A staple in Egyptian culture. They found actually crumbs of bread in various uh, diggings that they've done in Egypt. Every culture contributed and lifted the importance of it. In fact, bread is interpreted worldwide depending on the culture and what's grown locally. The Roman Empire expanded the rise of bread. Rise of bread, it's good. Empires controlled its people with games and bread. Through the medieval times, they thought if we can get people games and get them bread, we can tell them to do whatever we want them to do. It was abused. For the French, it was a comic opera and white bread. Post-World War II, the phrase came out, best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, that's how important it is. During the pandemic, bread baking exploded. People started buying bread baking machines. I don't know what it was about the pandemic, but they did it. Some historians believe it's the most important thing in scripture. I'm sorry, in history. The Lord's Prayer. Jesus prayed the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Israelites received bread from heaven, manna, every day. The day it didn't come, he told them the day before, store up a little bit more for the Sabbath. You'll be good then, till Sunday. Jesus in the wilderness says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is described as bread. The presence of God is described as bread. And actually today, when you work, if you lived in the 70s, 60s, and 70s, you were making bread. I'm earning bread. It goes down through history. The presence of the anointing is like bread. It fills the room and it creates a hunger and desire. We call for the presence of God during this month like never before because we want a hunger that is beyond what we're experiencing right now. And when the bread is right in front of you, it's funny, even if you've just eaten a meal, you want a piece of that bread because there's, a, there's something so precious about it and so filling about it. You want to see the light. You want to smell the fragrance. You want to taste it. Um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. In fact, I'm going to conclude with this. Uh, Jay, if you want to come up. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Did you not know that you are the temple of God? and the Spirit of God dwells in you. So here's the deal. Now we are carriers of everything that was in the temple. As a believer and follower of Jesus, we are the temple of God, which means the presence of God is in you, the bread, the fragrance, the lighting of the candles. And there's something supernatural about it, transformational about it, it has that effect, and I was just looking at scripture the other day. This is so, so wonderful. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, it's the passive power 
of the, oh, here it is, of the presence of God. Did you know in the book of Acts, and this, this is gonna to apply to why we're giving you bread and what you need to do with it here in a few minutes. In the book of Acts, the anointing was moving in such power upon individuals that even when they were walking around, things were happening without them intentionally or ministering to people. Did you know that people, if they got into the shadow of Peter, they were healed? A passive shadow, they were healed. What is that? It's the presence of God. It's the effect of the bread of life that's, that's in your soul when you receive Jesus Christ, the bread that came from heaven and came down to us. He is the bread of life. You're hungry, he will fill you. You're thirsty, he will quench your thirst. We seek so many different things. I'm telling you, when you receive the bread of life, life is now in you. God is with you. God is near. And he will visit you in more powerful and different ways throughout your lifetime. Maybe your shadow might make a difference at work. I love the one about Jesus. Jesus who crossed over the Sea of Galilee and it was a great storm so much that they, they thought the boat might sink. Little did they know that they were in a spiritual warfare because they were coming a, across a major demoniac, a man who was possessed with thousands of demons, so much so that he lived naked in a, in a graveyard and cut himself with the stones that were there. He was just totally encapsulated by hell itself. You would think that when he heard Jesus come that he would run away because of the demons, the thousands of demons that were in him. The Bible says as soon as Jesus got out of the boat, the demoniac came out of the graves over to him and laid before him and cried out for mercy. That's the presence of God. How would you like to walk into work tomorrow? And that person has been aggravating you for two years. Because one says, look, I don't, you know, I just, I, I just want to ask for your forgiveness. You go, oh, it's the bread. It's the bread I've been eating. Paul, Apostle Paul and his handkerchief. You take his hanky, give it to somebody. We passed around and people that had that handkerchief got healed by the presence of God from the sweat that was on his hanky. I mean, when the presence of God, these are New Testament people, other than one I mentioned about Jesus, that are not Jesus. They're consumers of the bread of life. Let's all stand together if we could. Here's what we're gonna do. This is a little activation. And I felt for this day, I've been wanting to do this message for a while. It's been on my mind since we went through the food series. Actually, today is the hinge. We've kind of concluded the food series. We're going into Love Gives. So an expression for you as a believer, we have got to get out of ourselves. We've got to speak of the goodness of God. You say, I just don't kind of feel it. Well, get the feeling, man. Get in the presence of God, soak in the presence of God. Don't lose that which is in you right now. Stir up, the Bible tells us to stir up the gift of God that was given to us through the laying out of hands. You've got a gift inside of you. You've got to share it with others. As you share it with others in radical ways sometimes, you can change lives. You can bring the presence of God. And we're going to pray over this bread in a minute that the presence of God, like it was, by the way, did you know that that bread in the presence, the bread, the show bread was regular bread? It was regular bread that they made. It was regular bread outside. 
But when they brought it into the presence of God, there was something about sustainment and power that was with it because of where it was. You've consumed the bread of life, Jesus Christ himself. When you take this bread, we're believing that as you share it with somebody, your household, if you share it with them, that the atmosphere is gonna shift in your, your household. If you do it in faith. Otherwise, it's gonna be a really good bread. But why not take a supernatural component where you say, our pastor prayed over this and he said that if we need it with other people, even a table in the presence of your enemies, the Lord is gonna bring favor and blessing down upon you. Some of you may need to take this bread to work. The whole loaf, dude, why are you bringing bread to work like that? Did you not bring your lunch? No, I brought my lunch, but this is a little different. Well, what is it? They'll be curious. So actually, our pastor prayed over it and believed that there's, that if we approach this in faith, healing might come into our relationships. Healing might come into our physical bodies. Makes me want to eat a piece. You sure that's crazy? No, you wait. You wait and see. What giant eagle can't do? Jesus. Oh, giant eagle, that makes sense. Well, we bless this bread right now. And the bread over there. The bread for singles. Bread for couples and families, a little bigger. We bless the Lord. I pray, Lord, if at the very least that they gather together with their kids or spouse or whatever, maybe even get some juice or wine or whatever with it to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ during this season. I pray that heaven will come down, Lord God. And they say, well, what's the deal with bread? Oh, it's a long history, long history, but it's very spiritual. It's all throughout the Bible. In fact, did you know that Jesus said, I'm the bread of life? Just tell them that. You know what you're doing? You're evangelizing someone. Well, I don't want to eat if, if it's Jesus. No, he said, eat, take, eat, drink. This is my body. The power of God will effectively touch folks. So what we're going to ask you to do in just a minute, Jane's going to help me with this because I got to go. But we're going to ask you to come forward. It's kind of on your way out. And just grab, you're going to, I think we got someone up that's going to steward this, but Make sure you only take one, one loaf, but you get one loaf per family, one loaf per couple over here for singles. We've got great little, I love these baguettes that are over here. Uh, you can have one of those. We're gonna use some for up in uh, Middleburg also. So, but we wanna pray over you too, that you, the easy out is just to share with your family. If you wanna cut it in half, you can share half with your family. But I want you to take the other half and say, Lord, who do you want me to share bread with this week? Maybe it's someone you're close to. Maybe it's someone that's your enemy. But share it in faith, and I think the Lord's gonna break down some walls through the supernatural activation of the presence of God expressed in bread out of this holy place called Bethel Cleveland. So hold your hands out like you're ready to receive, because you are. From the Holy Spirit, and from the bread place, so Lord, we bless this right now. We bless this, Lord. I ask, Lord God, that you would move through this bread. That you will open doors. That you electrify hearts, Lord. Just 
stir, stir deeply in people's hearts. And even as they pick this bread up, I ask, Lord, that people are going to feel the presence of God upon them. And that you would touch them and heal them and restore them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.